Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. Brian, a very good morning to you. Hello. Good morning to you, Kathy, and good morning to our listeners. Of course, it's the last week of the month, so you've got some updates for us. And we're also going to be taking people's questions today when it comes to personal finance. Yeah, you know, Kathy, for the first time, I'm really missing... I'm missing interaction. I'm missing coming to the studio. I'm missing collaborating with my staff Mm. other than on computer. It's just so, so, so difficult. You know, hard to motivate yourself, hard to motivate staff. Just one of those difficult things. And please, God, we we, we start to to see some light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, Cathy, um, I want to start off with a report back. We had a call last week from a, a caller, Tarbo, who called about his father and his pension fund. And you said you'd be very interested in hearing what my findings were. Yes, yes. And uh, he said that his father had worked for a company, I think he used the premium, premium milling for 20 years and only got back 5,000 of his pension contribution. Anyway, I went into it, and I must tell you, the Alexander were fantastic. They really had all the information at their fingertips, whatever they could give me. So very, what happened is um, his father worked for this company for 20 years, but he was only on the pension fund for four years and 10 months. Sure. And this is a problem for many people mm-hmm. who, who join pension funds late. It is a problem. The second thing is his father used his pension fund uh, to take a home loan. Now, now the the rules of taking a home loan from your pension are very rigid. If your pension fund is registered, you can get a a loan from the pension fund if it's for home, for home improvements or the purchase of property. But he said to me, he doesn't remember his father ever taking a home loan. So his father was only on the fund for four years and 10 months. He was only earning 40,000, which is less than 3,333 rand a month. I did the calculations, and after four years and 10 months at about a 7% return, his father's withdrawal benefit would have been around about 20, 21,000, which is exactly what Alexander had ready for him. They then deducted the home loan. When you take a home loan, there's interest payable, and they gave him the 5,000 rand. The company was unable to comment, firstly, why after 20 years of service he'd only been on the fund for four years and 10 months. And the second thing, they couldn't confirm about the home loan because it happened so many years ago. We're going back to 1999. But I just wanted you to know that sometimes we do get callers, and I do try and help, but sometimes we get answers which are right that doesn't really satisfy the individual mm-hmm. because I can't answer, why would someone work for a company for 20 years and only be on for four years and 10 months? And that particular company and the pension fund over the last 21 years has changed hands and it's merged. No one has been prejudiced, but, you know, what the employees need to do, the message I'm saying is employees need to do, you know, you need to check with your pension fund. How many years service do you actually have on that pension fund? Do they have it correctly recorded? And if, and if your service is longer, you've only been on the pension fund for a shorter period of time, and that was because you didn't join the fund for some reason, then you need to talk to the companies about making additional contributions uh, to the fund 
tax deductible so that you can make sure that the, that your membership of pension fund after many years of service does amount to some amount to something reasonable. Of course, Brian, you know, one of the things that uh, I especially picked up with the last, uh, you know, couple of months, especially when we were working with um, our our listeners and, and looking into the UIF, was that you had a lot of companies that told people that they were contributing to UIF for them and in fact we're not doing this. Let's talk about how that then also applies when companies say they're contributing uh, towards pension funds but one may find they're not doing that and I'm not saying that this is what happened in this instance but it certainly does bring up uh, uh, some of those scenarios that our listeners have been telling us about. Kathy, I'm not an expert at that, but I would say if a company is telling you that they've been contributing to UIF and they haven't been paid over the, over the contribution, I think there must be a, um, a panel that you can report to at the UIF, the Unemployment Insurance Fund, to say the company has been making deductions, paying money, but telling us they're paying money across, and they haven't. I think those companies should be reported. I think anyone who's maintaining that they're paying to UIF and then all of a sudden it turns up that you don't, I mean, you need to go, there has got to be avenues of, 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 um, of complaint and let the, let the UIF make, in, investigate. And I would say if a company says it's been paying to UIF and it hasn't, I think you've got a claim against that company. So, so, so I'm asking that question, Brian, in relation to the payment of pensions. So is there a way for employees to check that if a company is saying it's doing X, can you, what are the steps that you should be taking to verify that indeed uh, this company is doing what they're saying they're doing? I think what you should do is speak to, speak to the pension fund administrator, mm. first speak to the principal officer in the company. You can ask for a letter from the company confirming contributions have been paid. You can ask who the administrators are. You can drop a note to the administrators confirming that payments are being made. Uh, because you're right, over the last 10 months, companies have struggled. And there may be companies that have missed payments to pension funds. I mean, if after 60 days a pension fund uh, administrator or a pension fund has not received funds, they have a responsibility to report to the FSB. And I know there are letters written to the company informing them that this, this will be reported. So again, you know, like everything else in these times, we as, as individuals have to take a little bit more control of our financial affairs and, 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 make in, and make inquiries. I know it's difficult. Call centers are a nightmare. You know, I, I always have a view, and, and I, I'll express it because it's expressed in my book. I think every chief executive of a company who has a call center, it should be compulsory to, for them to phone the call center once a month mm. just to see what customers go through when they're calling call centers. I don't want to hear any longer how important I am, how important my call is, and 25 minutes I'm still holding on. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, let's propose for 2021 that becomes a new law that you have, you know, the chief executive has to phone his call center. All right. Um, uh, Brian Hirsch is joining me. We're talking finance with Brian Hirsch, and uh, he'll be also taking some of your personal personal finance questions. That is, Tabo, I'm so sorry, um, yeah, about the, the outcome of, of this particular case. And uh, Brian there giving us a full update in terms of what happened, uh, which related to Tabo's father. We'll take a quick break. I'm back with more questions for Brian. Here, there. And everywhere.
SAFM 105.6 FM in Mtata. It's 21 after 10. We're talking finance with Brian Hirsch. It is the last uh, day of, uh, not the last day of the week. It is the last week of the month. And what we do on the last week of the month on the slot is that we take questions from all of you around your personal finances. Sometimes it may also be uh, related to the themes that we've covered throughout the month. And this month, we've been focusing on getting our personal finances in order, uh, especially as we kickstart the year. So, Brian, let me come to some of the questions, of course, that you've been receiving from our listeners. The first one is around companies and where, that offer funeral insurance and whether they can increase pre- premiums. Yeah, I had, a call, I had quite a few calls on this. Firstly, let me make the point that if you do not pay your premiums under your funeral uh, uh, insurance, companies will not pay the claim. So, you know, it's critical that you pay your premium. But some policies have premium and cover increases, and others just have premium increases and not cover. You've got to have a look at the terms and conditions of the policy. But I've had a lot of calls this month. I don't know, it started with a question, and I've had calls. People say companies have increased their premiums, and they can't afford these new premiums, and are they allowed to do it? I've had, I've had a look at the policies, and in the policy, it gives the insurer the right. There are some companies that have, do not have the right to increase premiums. So my advice to people, particularly as you're getting older, just have a look at the terms and conditions of your policy, particularly where it talks about premiums and the right to increase premiums. But they certainly do. So be aware of that. And, you know, many people right now would be thinking if there's a way that they can, you know, prevent in increases when it comes to the insurance premiums. Are there negotiations that one can enter into? Is that possible at all? Yeah, look, funeral schemes, is, is, there's not a lot of underwriting. There's waiting periods. Mm-hmm. So they won't pay out for the first six months if there's a claim. So you can't go buy a funeral policy today and bury someone tomorrow. But with life insurance premiums, there are different premium patterns. And some policies have flat premiums. Some policies are premiums linked to your age next birthday. And others have escalating premiums. And you can understand that there's different costs. So if you're buying a million rands worth of life, cover mm. and you've got different premium patterns you'll have different pre- you'll have different premiums but you need to find out because as some particularly where premiums companies have the right to review their premiums every 10 or 20 years you could find older people who still need cover all of a sudden finding it's unaffordable and furthermore if as you get older as you know when you're young insurance doesn't cost a lot of money as long as you're healthy you're in good health but as you get older and as you get into the 50s and 60s and 70s insurance costs a lot more money so again have a look at your policy understand what the possible premiums are mm-hmm. and maybe you can adjust you can maybe change your policy to something that makes more sense in terms of long-term affordability but let me also make the comment never give up a policy where you've got life insurance or any other benefits before you have been accepted by a new company make sure you're first accepted because it's not always money that buys insurance it's your health 
And if you are not in good health, you may not be able to get the cover. So you care, have a look at your policies and don't just look at the premium you're paying today. Understand what this means in 10 or 20 years time. You've got a lot, I've got lots of people who phoned me over the years to say mm. they now reach their 60s and 70s and they still need life insurance to protect their families mm. because they haven't built up enough assets and in the event of the death, their family will be left with debt and destitute. So do the, do the exercise. Financial planning is not just about opening up a file at the beginning of the year and the end of the year saying it's over. It's about continuously investigating and what you've got and what it means into the future. You know, we look back 10 years, it goes quickly. You look forward 10 years, it seems yeah. far away. But, but you know, it's, it's important that you do that. All right. Uh, Brian, we, we've received a, a voice note from Tabo. He's listening to the show and um, he, he's got a response to uh, just the work that you've been doing. Let, let's listen. Hi, uh, Casey uh, and, and, and Brian. Yeah, Brian did call me. Uh, look, obviously, I'm not happy with the outcome. And I think this matter needs to be pursued further because clearly the employer and these financial institutions, um, they need to be investigated. Because uh, I've got so many questions uh, which were never answered. Another thing is now that my father passed away, uh, wasn't they supposed to pay out? Because I'm sure... Well, maybe it's a provident fund, but clearly uh, there must be a provision for death, you know, for your beneficiaries. So I'd like Brian also to attend to that. Uh, I tried to call, but I couldn't get through. Thank you. Okay. All right. Okay. Thanks for that, Tabo. Uh, Brian, when it comes to, were there any funds remaining in, in his dad's fund? Okay, very simply, when you leave jo- when you leave your job, and this is a question people often ask me, mm-hmm. must I include my group life insurance, the life cover that I have with the company when I do the calculations of my overall life insurance? Just remember, when you leave the company, although you have options to take up the life insurance, the point is if you leave a company, you lose the benefit. So if you're employed by a company and you've got three times annual salary and then you find that you leave the company, in this particular individual's case, he left the company and he got paid out his benefit. So he would no longer have enjoyed life cover. Life cover does not exist once you've left the employee. And the other point that Tarbo has made, he's not happy and I understand. What he needs to do is write to the company. This is not a pension issue. The pension fund have got the details of contributions paid to them. He must go to the company and say, why didn't my father become a member of the pension fund when he first joined? Mm. Just remember, years ago, you had an option to join a pension fund. And when a new pension fund starts, if I start a new pension fund now for a company A and there are 100 members, all 100 members have a choice of whether they want to join or not. And if only 20 join, then the other 80 don't have to join, but all future employees that become permanent employees of that company will then be compulsory to join. So who knows what the rules were with Premier Milling at that particular time. A very reputable, respected company, and I would suggest Tarver goes back to the company and ask that question. That's really not a, a financial question. That's a question of understanding why his father didn't join the fund. Right. And, and the administrators are 
are only dealing with the funds. And remember, the administrators have no vested interest in taking anyone's money. They, money comes in, they allocate, it, they allocate it to members. It's not as if there's any collusion or anything that goes on. But so it's not as if the administrator had a vested interest not to pay out more money. Mm. Or, you know, so, so, but Tava should go back to Premier Mali. All right. Uh, Brian, we're edging towards 9.30, but uh, sorry, towards 10.30, and we'll have to take news headlines soon. But let me try and squeeze in this question. We've got under a minute to answer. Please explain the tax-free savings accounts and how these compare to retirement annuities. We can continue after news. on SAFM. All right, we've been talking finance with Brian Hirsch. And Brian, I just wanted you to answer the issue of the tax-free savings account before we wrap up our conversation. Kathy, this is a big subject. Uh, and with now coming to the end of the tax year, next program will be in February, end of the tax year being 28th of February, people have an opportunity to invest in tax-free savings accounts and to invest in retirement annuities. There are big differences. So I don't think I'd do justice if I've dealt with it in 30 seconds. I would rather leave this over to next week because it's a much bigger subject that people need to consider in February. I also want to deal with people wanting to cash in life policies. People are concerned about the changes in provident funds, which are implement, um, coming in on the 1st of March. Again, let me make the point, nothing to worry about, but I'd like to deal with it. And then also, should people be trying to fix their bonds? So can we deal with those questions next week? Because particularly the tax-free saving and the retirement annuity, it needs a little bit more discussion and explanation because there's opportunities for people to save tax before the end of the tax year, which is the 28th of February. All right, Brian. On that note then, just uh, contact details for some of our listeners to get in touch with you. Yes, 11 Remember, where you're phoning from, all your phone numbers. So if I can't get hold of you, someone in your area can. We did clear our lines um, last Friday. And if you haven't heard from me, then perhaps your message didn't come through again. Please resend it and we will get back to you. Thanks, right. Kathy. To our listeners, a good week. All right, Brian. Thank you so much for uh, being with us today, Brian Hirsch there.